Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench, and you are listening to live to Season 3, Episode 9. And we are pleased to be having a guest join us today. We're going to introduce in just a little bit. First, we'd like to pay a few bills and uh, give ourselves, give our sponsors a big shout out. Our first sponsor leads off every time is Hometown Ticketing. Are you an AD interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Are you looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your games? Well, we suggest you take a good look into Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional-level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly into your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket-buying experience that takes place directly on your website. Without the need to create an account, remember a password, or download an app. From individual game tickets to customized season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program. And the best part is it doesn't cost your school or athletic program anything to get started. So own your ticketing with Hometown Ticketing, the official ticketing partner of BNN Sports and a sponsor of Beyond the Bench. Visit www.hometownticketing.com to enroll your school today. That's www.hometownticketing.com. Follow them on Twitter at Hometown Ticks, that's Ticks with an X, Facebook, Hometown Ticketing, and Instagram, Hometown Ticketing. And if you are on LinkedIn, I suggest you get with them there as well, and they have a lot of their people that work for them on LinkedIn as well. So uh, look for them and join them on LinkedIn. Thanks to Hometown Ticketing. Next, we'd like to thank Gipper. Do you want your athletic program to stand out on social media? Now you can with Gipper. Using Gipper, you can create and share professional sports graphics to social media in seconds on any device and without needing any design experience. So try Gipper out for free at gogipper.com backslash athletics. And listen to their podcast hosted by Matthew Glick. Their podcast is called Standout. They have obviously the new feature. It's not new anymore because they've been around now for quite some time where you can schedule your posts, and that is so handy. And they just added Instagram integration as well. So you can time your stuff. You can schedule them to be posted on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're doing it, or you can post them right there as you go. But uh, take a look at Gipper. Again, they send out more graphic packs. Seems like one a week, and they just seem to be expanding and, and getting some great stuff. So check out Gipper, and thank Gipper for being a sponsor of Beyond the Bench. The last sponsor we'd like to thank is Varsity Bound, Varsity Bound HQ. And for their support of Beyond the Bench and for all of the ADs in Iowa. Uh, Of course, now we're using VB Meets. If you're doing track meets, running track meets, you're using Varsity Bound. Uh, They just keep expanding as well, doing great things. Customer service is fantastic, as it is with all of our sponsors. But Varsity Bound has just got that that real good feel to them, Uh, really good people working there. They'll respond to you. If you have a question, if your coaches have questions, they're great to work with them too. So uh, thank you to Varsity Bound, Varsity Bound HQ for their support of Beyond the Bench. Well, in just a few moments, we're going to be joined by Jamie Beckler. 
Uh, Jamie is a well-known uh, motivational speaker. Um, does a lot. He's done a lot of things that we're excited to talk to him about. Uh, just launched leadership, uh, his leadership playbook. And you can find that at the leadershipplaybook.com. Uh, really just kind of an in-service professional development for your teams, for your athletic department. And uh, we're going to talk to Jamie about that as well, just kind of his journey, where he's gotten there and some of his keys to leadership as well. Uh, we'll mention this a little bit later too, but you can follow Jamie. Check out his website. His website is fantastic. JamieBeckler.com. That's J-A-M-Y Beckler, B-E-C-H-L-E-R.com. JamieBeckler.com. Check out his website. A lot of interesting things on there. Uh, some links to his books. And um, he is uh, just really going to be a fun, fun interview. And uh, we're looking forward to having Jamie on. And thank him for taking time out of his busy schedule. But uh, we're looking forward to talking to him. And follow him on Twitter, at Coach Beckler. At Coach Beckler on Twitter. And listen to his podcast. His podcast is really good. He's had some really heavy hitters on his podcast. Uh, some really fine guests, a wide range, wide range of people from John Gordon to people in the NFL, the NBA, everything in between. So uh, take a listen to Jamie's podcast and you'll be you'll be blessed there as well. His podcast is called Su Success is a Choice. Again, that's Success is a Choice. And that's Jamie's podcast. So now uh, sit back, enjoy, relax and enjoy this episode of Beyond the Bench with Jamie. Beckler. Well, guys, we are pleased today to be joined by Jamie Beckler. Uh, Jamie is uh, a speaker, a author, a um, just he's got his uh, hands in quite a bit of stuff. It seems like, <laughs> and it's all good. Uh, he's active on uh, social media, but uh, uh, his, his website, jamiebeckler.com. J-A-M-Y, Beckler.com. Uh, outstanding website and uh, just mm -hmm. a lot of information there. And uh, just looking forward to getting to know him a little bit and to mm -hmm. learn from him today. And uh, so, Jamie, welcome to be on the bench. And uh, thank you for joining us. Hey, guys, I appreciate you having me. And that was a, a great intro. Uh, uh, I, I, I need to get that intro and, and, uh, and uh, get that for, for the next time I'm on something or at least give it to my wife and see, you know, see, yeah, see how, that, somebody see thinks that, that this is all worth it. Somebody thinks my stuff is good. No, but right. guys, I, I appreciate, appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I love you guys' podcast. I love what you guys are doing to, to help athletic directors. And ultimately, you know, I really don't care if you help athletic directors, to be honest. Uh, but when athletic directors get better, the student athletes get better. Coaches get better. Student athletes get better. And that's really what it's all about is you're helping the people that are, that are leading student athletes. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yep. Well, Jamie, um, you know, right off the bat here, if you would just tell us a little bit about your journey, kind of where you started, you know, what you've done and uh, what got you to where you sit right now. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, you know, I was a, uh, I played pretty much all the sports growing up, wanted to be a professional athlete like everybody else that grows up wanting to play sports. And mm -hmm. I figured that if the pro thing didn't work out, then I would end up being a coach. And so early on, my coaches let me that let me know that I was probably going to be a coach. <laughs> and so, uh, but I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, seventh or eighth grade. I forget which year it was, but I had this English teacher that, you know, was the stereotypical English teacher that scares everybody. 
and didn't want to be in her class, uh, felt that she was too hard or whatever. But the one thing she did is she had this little library in the corner of her room. And, and I got to check out this book one day and it was, it, it's called, they call me coach by John Wooden. Mm. And I love the book, how coach Wooden treated his players. Great. Even if they weren't playing well, if they were starters, no matter who they were, coach Wooden loved up all his players. He, he mm-hmm. loved on those players. And, and I'd like to say that I was this mature seventh grader that said, Oh man, I want to be a coach like that. It wasn't until later that I made that connection. But at the time I was like, I want a coach like that. So mm-hmm. I knew that's how I wanted a coach to coach me, whether I was making shots in basketball or not, I wanted a coach to coach me up like John wouldn't. And as I would get older and older, I would start to pay attention more to coaching. And, uh, and eventually I would want to become a coach like John Wooden, uh, and caring about a lot of people. So I ended up becoming a college coach for about 20 years, uh, was at division one, division two, division three, and the NAIA level. And I coached both men and women. Uh, I'm primarily known as a women's basketball coach. That's what I, I did most of my career at, but I did both. And, uh, and then after uh, a career of, of being a coach, I left coaching, uh, to go be a high school athletic director for a couple of years. And uh, I thought when I was coaching, I wanted to be an athletic director at some point. I didn't know when that would be. And a great opportunity came in Indiana to go to a place that had the fifth largest gymnasium in the world for high schools, uh, mm-hmm. seated over 7,000. Uh, nobody has won more boys basketball titles in Indiana than the school I was at. We'd had a number of pros. And so I went there and was tasked with essentially, you know, the, the quote unquote change the culture. Uh, you know, they, they had really, really lost a ton of money through the years. Their sports had started to deteriorate. Uh, a lot of industry moved out of the town. And so a lot of things weren't what they used to be at that school. And so they wanted a fresh face, uh, a fresh perspective with a college guy, you know? And so uh, I think there were, there were double digit interview people, people that interviewed for the job. And I was the only one that didn't have a high school, uh, didn't have anything high school wise on my resume. And so it was obvious that they wanted somebody different. And I came in and and we were able to uh, institute some student athlete leadership stuff. Uh, For the first time, we were able to do some things athletically that they'd never done before. uh, And we were able to uh, balance the budget and get them out of debt and, uh, and, and put some protocols in place to help them. uh, And they're still reaping the benefits of it even now. So uh, we were able to do some great things there. Um, You know, so yeah, I was in organized athletics for about 20, 22 years. And then uh, for the last four years, I have been an entrepreneur, speaker, uh, written a couple books and do a podcast, Success is a Choice podcast. And uh, just essentially what I do is I try to help athletes uh, be better. I try to help coaches be better, try to help athletic directors be better. So I mainly work in the athletics and educational field. That's uh, that's quite a journey. Um, I, I think... I, Follow up and then we'll get to our next question. But just the, um, what were some of your thoughts? That, what was the thought process coming in? And maybe the right way to ask this is, so you're making the jump from being a college coach to high school athletic director. Um, and if I'm following that right, your only high school athletic experience was when you were playing high school athletics. So it's not like you coached in high school, things like that. What were some of the things maybe that surprised you in that jump from being <laughs> this college level coach to high school athletic director that maybe surprised you? Yeah, great, great question, Aaron. And, and we could actually spend probably a whole podcast on that transition. <laughs> I, I did as much research as I think was humanly possible to a degree, like reasonably humanly possible for the jump between 
college to high school. I talked to people that had done it. I'd done all this. And I was an assistant AD at the college level. So, so I, I was coming in at least with some administrative background. Mm-hmm. I was teaching at the college level. But you're right, Aaron. I had not been at the high school level uh, in any capacity since I graduated a long time ago. Uh, and so, you know, obviously I'd been in a lot of high schools. I'd, I'd worked with a lot of high school people from a recruiting standpoint. So it wasn't like it was completely foreign to me, but I really, you know, it, it's difficult. The transition was difficult in terms of a couple things. One is, uh, and I, you know, this will probably be a, you know, a lot of the ADs listening to this will probably shake their head and understand it to a degree, but there was, there was a lot of politics and I know that there's a lot of politics everywhere, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of politics, but also not a lot of chain of command sometimes, even though there should be chain of command. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that was unusual for me in terms of if somebody had a problem with a coach, they might not come to me. They might go to the buddy that they have on the school board, or they might go to the assistant mm-hmm. principal who's their buddy. Like it was, it was always a, we're going to go to the person that I know, as opposed to the person that I should be talking to. And first of all, it should be the coach that they're going to talk to. That should be the yeah. very first person. Yeah. And so I was kind of not that college is, is perfect in that, but I saw a lot more of that at the college level than I did at the high school level. And I wasn't quite ready for that. I wasn't quite ready for, um, and, and some of this stuff, I won't, I won't bore you with some of the stuff because I think it was, it was more uh, dealing with the school I was at as opposed to overall high school. But just the, the sense of uh, it's, not always, it's not always about doing what's right. It's about doing what you should do right this minute for mm-hmm. this kid. Uh, so when people talk about, it's about the kids, I'm like, yeah, it is about the kids, but they're sometimes talking about, it's about my kid (laughs) and my kid's friend. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, but the freshmen or the eighth graders will one day be seniors four years from now. It'll be today. And so we don't want to just mortgage the future and sacrifice the future. And so there's a lot of that agenda driven, uh, decision-making and the processes mm-hmm. of making decisions weren't quite what I was used to at the college level. Yeah, sure. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't, I'm not articulating it very well, um, mainly because I don't talk about this a whole lot. That's, that's a question that I don't get very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, but the agendas, there were so many agendas and, and not always bad. Right. They were uh, well-intentioned, well-meaning people. They just didn't have, they were seeing their tree and not the whole forest. Right. Yeah. And, and that was a struggle for me coming from college level where it's like, okay. And, and once again, college is not perfect. There's so yeah. many uh, flaws at the college level too. But I was like, man, I, I thought we we're in this to make everything better, not just to make this group of kids, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on with this group of kids and their friends better. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you're never, cause that was one of the reasons I was hired was, Hey, they had lost nearly a million dollars in 25 years in their slush fund and the overall crime rate in the GPA and different things like that. They were struggling with that because they had allowed just essentially they were like tumbleweeds, whichever way the wind blew, that's which way that tumbleweed went. And so they were never actually getting a firm process uh, mm-hmm. to how, you know, you talk about trust the process. They weren't trusting a process. They were just kind of, we're trying to get results. Well, 
by, tr- <clears throat> by chasing after results, you're really chasing after your tail all the time and you're <laughs> never establishing sustainability. Right. And so whether it's, it's actual athletics on the field or the courts or whether it's budgeting or whether it's just character issues, character initiatives, if you're only going after outcomes and the end result and you're not putting any process in place, you're not going to have sustainability. And so that's why I, I think, and I, I'm, I'm going to get the numbers mixed up, but they've had like six or seven ADs in the last 20 years. Um, yeah. You know, the, the current AD has been there now three years and that's the longest they had had any AD in seem like forever. Mm. Um, so, and obviously that's just my school that I was dealing with, but yeah. when I talk with other ADs, some of the same problems were, were going oh, yeah. on with them. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. that sounds it's, just about right. Yeah. <laughs> at the high, well, and it, and it is. And I think, and I asked that question, Jamie, quite frankly, because I think a lot of us at the high school level, sometimes we sit back and think, man, if I could just be an AD at the college level, some of these things would go away. And I think one of the things that drives us crazy is the angle always being worked. And I think, we always think, well, mate, you get to college and the kids are just that much older and the parents are that much further removed and, and there's less agendas and more about the team. And I don't know if that's true or not, but was it, we always think about jumping up to the college level and you made the opposite jump. And I was just curious <laughs> your thoughts on, on that. Well, and, I, and I'll tell you, Aaron, at the college level every year is getting closer and closer to what you experience at the high school level. Yeah. And, and because there's less and less responsibility being taken for actions. There's less and less ADs that are willing to stand up and, and take a stand for what's right because the presidents won't back them. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's just, it's a cover your butt mentality. Yeah. A lot of places nowadays, and there's not a lot of, um, I'll give you an example. And this, this is, this is certainly a, an anecdote. This isn't across the board, but I was a coach at a school in South Carolina, college in South Carolina, and one of our basketball players didn't like that we took her scholarship away at the end of the year. And she she wrote an email to the president and said, listen, I want to stay on this team. This is, this is where I want to be, but I feel like the coaches were unfair to me. I still want to be at the school. You know, this is not fair. And the president said, wrote back to her and said, I appreciate, I'm glad that you still want to be at this school. And if you still want to be at this school, you can do like every other student does, and you can pay your way to be at this school. I support my coaches and they can determine who will be on their team and who won't be. Now that is, that is unusual. You don't get that a lot, Mm -hmm. but there are some high schools out there where the principal or the superintendent will be like, Hey, we're going to back Todd. We're going to back Aaron. We're going to back Scott. You know, I'm going to take what you guys say. I'm not going to just jump and be a tumbleweed and one parent or one coach or one student, somebody complains and all of a sudden that tumbleweed goes this way and then the wind blows again and the tumbleweed goes this way. And it doesn't mean that you blindly support people, but it's, you know what? I put good people around me. I bring in, you know, we vetted Todd or we did our research on Aaron or I've gotten to know these people. I know what they're trying to do we're at least going to have due process. We're at least going to hear them out. You know, I'm not just going to jump and knee jerk react about things. And yeah. and I think there are still good, good leaders out there in positions of leadership. Uh, there's good leaders out there in positions of administration, but more and more, man, it, being a principal and superintendent, you get paid a lot of money. You don't mm-hmm. want to lose that job. Yeah. Um, you know, at the college level, even you get paid good money. Sometimes you don't want to lose that job. And if I step out, in faith to support Todd. And you know what? I might lose my job, you know? So now I'm losing my 150 to $100,000 a year job. You know, I don't want to do that. I have a family to support. And so it it gets to be, 
where it's it's a really tough situation and and you end up not really being a good leader. You end up just being a manager at mm-hmm. high school or yeah. the college level when you're just making decisions that aren't the best decisions, but they're just uh, they're just expedient. They're just covering your covering your rear end decisions. That that just yeah. makes you a manager. Yeah. Yep. That's how we roll on Beyond the Bench, ladies and gentlemen. We ask a question, I like it. follow-up question, and you get 10 more minutes of great stuff that you weren't <laughs> expecting right there. That's, that's, that's how right. it works. And that's, uh, that's, how, that's how guests get in trouble. That's the follow-up right there. No, that is what we do. That's how we get our best stuff. All right. So, Jamie, clearly, um, you, you just do fantastic work on leadership development. So, um, next question for you. It's a two-part question. First part will be this. Um, what do you see as the most important skills in, in, to develop as a leader? Yeah, great, great question. And, and I would say I'm big on perspective. I, I think you have to have perspective. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. That, that's not for me. That's Stephen Covey in his book, Seven mm-hmm. Habits of Highly Effective People. That was one of the habits. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. When I speak to it, it could be a division one basketball team, a division one football team. It could be a middle school cross country team, or I'm speaking to a bunch of teachers. It doesn't matter. One of the very first things we start off with is perspective, because I think that's one of the biggest problems that we run into, not just as leaders, but people in general, is we don't see perspectives. We only see our tree and we don't see the whole forest. Uh, we only see what we want to see. We only see something based upon, all right, well, this happened to me. I mean, I just got, I, I just got a nasty Twitter message yesterday from somebody that told me about their seventh grade coach that was terrible to him. And so everything I said was wrong about, about this certain topic. And I'm like, just because you had a bad experience, I'm sorry you had a bad experience as a seventh grader, but you're only complaining about one coach. There were probably 20 other coaches at that school that were good. Right. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're using your anecdote to, to shade the whole world, the way you see things. And, and so that's mm-hmm. what we do a lot of times. And certainly we're, we're, we're a product of our, our society, our culture, our backgrounds, things that happen to us, but we have to understand that there's more to it than that, that life is more to it than just our own experience and our own bubble. Mm-hmm. And so why I start perspective, why I say perspective and why I start off with that, all right. The athletic directors, you athletic directors that are listening to this right now, the 16-year-olds you're dealing with are not the same 16-year-old that you were, you know, all those years ago. So number one, you have a different perspective than them because you're an authority figure. You're older. They're younger. So you automatically have a different perspective on the way the world works. Secondly, though, you have a different perspective on how a 16-year-old should think and act because 16-year-olds are different now than they were when you were a Mm -hmm. 16-year-old. It doesn't mean it's better or worse, but it's different. Mm -hmm. And so our perspective is always going to be different. Aaron, you as an AD is going to have a different perspective than your principal, who's also going to have a different perspective than the superintendent sometimes, who's going to have different perspectives than the board members or teachers. Everybody comes from different angles, and and we're never going to be able to lead people effectively. Uh, And I look at leadership not as this position or this title or this business card, but leadership is taking somebody from where they are to where they need to be, helping people, move them forward for a common goal. And you can't ever do that. You can never do that if we're not breaking down barriers and if we're not getting common goals and if I'm not yeah. understanding uh, the people around me. And so that's the very first thing 
that I think all leaders need to understand, all people mm-hmm. for that matter, yeah, um, is the perspective thing and the understanding thing. And and it, it, you just, you know, I see things one way, you see things another way. Okay, well, let's try to find where we have some commonality. And then on the things that we differ about, let me find out why Aaron differs on me about this or what Aaron's thinking about, or, you know, all right, you don't, you're going to be different than your 16 year old athletes. It doesn't mean you have to listen to Drake. It doesn't have, mean you have to go to Drake concerts or you have to go to Cardi B concerts or you have to play Fortnite. It doesn't mean you have to do those things, but you have to understand that those are things that are popular. Understand what your 16 year olds like. You have to understand something about them. Um, what makes those 16 year olds tick, Otherwise, you're never going to get them to to run through a wall for you or run this play for you or even go to class. You're never going to connect with them. The same way with your coaches. They're going to think differently than you as an AD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. All right. Follow up. To that. Um, next part of that is what's what's one thing you think leaders must overcome or master to to be most effective or to become more effective as a leader? Yeah, certainly mastering the, the, the understanding, seeing things from different perspectives, maybe having a little bit more self-awareness. That's certainly something that they need to master. Um, they, they have to be, they have to see that it's about the people. Um, what their job is, and I know sometimes being an AD, sometimes you get in this rut of being a manager, it's all about, man, I got to get these fi- the physical paperwork in. I've got to get the stuff to the, the state office. I've got to fill these things out on time. I've got to make sure that the blue Gatorade is filled up. You know, the, the cooler is filled <laughs> up with the blue Gatorade because I don't want someone to complain because heaven, you know, by all means, they can't buy a red Gatorade, you know, so, you know, and sweeping <laughs> the floors. I know What's going nonsense. on with this world? Uh, exactly. You know, the <laughs> uniforms. I know that being an AD can get, uh, you know, down to the minutia sometimes and, and mm-hmm. you, you just are, you know, you're slammed with administrative type stuff, but never forgetting and mastering the thought process of it's about the people and I'm yep. building up this next generation of leader. And, and I know, I mean, you know, this could be campfire sing Kubaya right now, but, <laughs> but I look at it as get the Kingsford. What's that, Scott? Get the Kingsford. Yeah, the King's up the grill. Yeah, hold hands, sing kumbaya. Yeah, but yeah. but the reality is the kids that we interact with every day or the kids in our schools, those are the future husbands and wives and mothers, mm-hmm. fathers, business people, educators, coaches in our community. And if we want our community to stink one day, then we need to worry only about administrative stuff and managerial stuff. If we want our communities to be great, then we're going to invest in the people that are going to be part of that future. And I know that sounds really deep, but, but on, on this level, I think we forget that. I know I forgot that at, at sometimes as a coach, I forgot that sometimes as an AD, you know, when I'm selling that season pass to a kid, I might be, I might be, or, or I'm taking their paperwork. I might deal with them for two minutes, but that might be the two minutes that I could have inspired them or spoken some yep. something good in their life. Yep. And it didn't make them turn out to be great, but what it did, it was it got it through, got them through the next 30 minutes of their day. Yep. Mm-hmm. A kind word from Scott or a kind word yep. from Aaron might've just gotten mm-hmm. them to the next person who is Todd 30 minutes from now, who then speaks life into them. And yep. I know that sounds so deep, but that's what 
we're doing. That's what being an AD is really all about. Yep. Lollipop moments. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Think of that YouTube video. Yep. Yep. Moment by moment leadership. Yep. Yep. Any any other follow-ups? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you looking at me there, Jarvis. I saw that. I saw Jack. I don't know I don't want to step on any of your toes. So, Jamie, uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, program culture and how important that is. What do you think are the keys to building championship culture? Not just winning culture, but, you know, that you kind of talked about deeper and that deep level, but one to have really deep impact. What do you think that really entails? Yeah, great, great question, Scott. And I'm, I'm glad you said not just winning culture. Now, we all want to win because we all want to be excellent. You know, no, there's no such thing as a strong, healthy culture that wants the outcome to be losing. Like that doesn't exist. That, that, that's an end result or a byproduct of what we're doing in the process. And I hate to go Nick Saban on you, like trust the process, but that is true. And it's not just because he has five-star athletes because everybody he's going against, except for that one time a year, like UT Chattanooga or McNeese state or something, everybody else has five-star athletes, Yeah, you know? So he's doing something better because he's trusting the process. He's got a process in place, but we can all do that. And so this culture thing, I think it's very important going back to the people, uh, you know, I think it's really important to get the right people around you, Yeah, but we can't always do that. All right. We can't always get the right people around us because sometimes, you know, let's face it. We, it's not like college where maybe you can recruit and give scholarships to certain people, you know, we're going to have some kids. If we're a coach, we're going to have some kids on our team that we don't like. Um, if we're an AD, we're going to have some coaches that maybe aren't our favorites. So it, we're not always going to be able to control the people around us, but what we can do to a degree is we can control what we do with those people once they're on this, on our bus, so to speak. And, you know, sure. Jim Collins, will talk about getting the right people on the bus, the right people on the seats. Well, we can do the same thing. And, and I think one of the things I, I think about a lot is ownership and investment. So when you have this culture, you know, and everybody has a culture, mind you, I mean, all three of you guys, everybody listening to this, you have a culture in your athletic department and that culture to a degree is intentional. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will say, well, I don't, I didn't want my culture to be like this. Yeah. But you chose for it to be something else. You chose for it to be, you, you chose to, to allow other things to be more important if your culture is not what you want. And, and what I mean by that is uh, when I say intentional, like every day we can choose how we want to work with people, what's going to be most important in our program, what's going to be more important in our athletic department. And if we end up with a bad culture or a culture we don't like after we've been somewhere for three or four years, it's because we've allowed it. It's a slow burn. It's a slow death. We have made intentional choices to choose Mm. to prioritize other things than building up this culture the way we want. So everybody has this intentional culture. And so what, we have to have ownership. We have to get other people to buy into this. And the only way they're going to buy into it is if they buy into us. And the only way they're going to buy into us as the leader, the positional leader is if they know, like, and trust us, if we had that connection. And so if we're only worried about administrative stuff, if we're only worried about, all right, I have this coach's rule book or this coach's, you know, athletic handbook, and you have to make sure that you get your paperwork in on this time, and you have to follow this and this and this and standard operating procedure 
they're not going to know, like, and trust you. You have to make some kind of connection with them if you want any kind of culture that's really strong and healthy. And so it's the people, but the people have to take ownership in it too. So it's not just Todd's culture, it's our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And that goes for a, a sports team. So that could be field hockey, that could be basketball, or it could be your athletic department, or it could be your whole school. If you're, if, if there's a principal listening to this or a superintendent listening to this culture is about the people buying into stuff. So I I said, so I want to, I want to circle back to something I said, you can't control sometimes who's on your team, but I do think that, that you can win some people over. They might not be your recruits or your hires or your selections, but they can be your people. Um, And, and oftentimes we don't, I think uh, we, we look at it as we're in charge. We know better than them. All right. You need to do this. You need to be a compliant follower. Just do what I ask you to do. Follow the rules, do what you're supposed to do, but we don't make that connection. And we don't empower them. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I like to talk about there's there's like four E's that I love. Uh, one is equipping. So giving people the tools, equipping people to do their job. So are you helping people to do their job just as a coach? You know, are you making sure the tennis coach has tennis balls? Are you making sure that the, the buses are scheduled if that's your job? So the coach doesn't have to worry about that. So the coach can worry about coaching or whatever, whatever it is at your school. Are you equipping them? The next is, are you enhancing them? Professional development. You know, are you making them better? So not only just are you equipping them to do their job, but are you enhancing them and helping them be better than everybody else at that job? The third thing I think is huge is empowering. Are you empowering them to be a leader? Are you empowering them to make decisions on their own? Are you empowering them uh, to, to, to step up and say, this is our department. This is our program. Um, and that's also where I, I get your back. I'm empowering you. I'm giving you freedom, but I'm going to have your back because I've then I've equipped you. I've enhanced you. I'm now empowering you. And the last part of that is encourage them. Constantly encourage them, constantly encourage them, catch them being good, encourage the people around you so that they want to keep doing things that are, that are right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of rambled on there. I went, I, I get kind of excited sometimes. I, and uh, I, I, but, I, I like it. I like it. Let's get after it. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask the, the cynical question in this because I, I agree you, you, you got people on your, on your team in your culture who aren't buying in, you know, they're those, uh, uh, they're not even your compliant, you know, followers. They're your, they're, they're in the lounge or they're, they're in the locker room and you're not around and they're undercutting. Um, in your experiences, um, when's, how long do you keep doing that versus when do you got to say, look, man, I got to, I got, I got to go a different direction. I mean, what's you, what, what would be things you'd look for in your studying of culture and conversations about culture where you just get to a point, you're like, okay, uh, I have to make a decision because our culture is never going to get where it has to get to with you on my bus anymore. What's that, in your opinion, what's that point? Great, great question. And I get this a lot primarily with players. When do I cut a player? When do I kick a player off the team? Or should I have a captain who's not a very good captain, who's a kid that I don't even want on the team, but people have mm-hmm. as captains? No matter how you frame it, there's a couple, there's a couple principles or there's a couple things I would look at and ask myself. Number one is, by keeping this team member, whatever team it is. So this could be you keeping a coach. 
that's a team member of your team in the athletic department. So mm-hmm. is keeping this team member detrimental to our culture immediately? Like if I keep them around for any length of time, it's going to negatively impact our culture right away. Uh, not, not a year from now, not six months from now. Don't, don't, this is the one time I say, don't play chess instead of checkers. This is what I'm talking about. Just right now, if they stay on the team, they're going to hurt our culture. Okay. If that's the case, then you got to get them off. You, there's, you got to get them off right away. If they're going to kill your culture right now, if the answer to that is, I'm not, I don't think, I don't think they're going to kill it right now, but I think they, they, they might infect it. You know, it's a bad apple spoils the whole lot or the whole bushel or whatever the saying Mm -hmm. is. If that's the case, now you have to look to yourself and say, all right, have I done everything I can to connect with this person and to help equip them, to enhance them, empower them, encourage them? More times than not, the answer would be no if we're actually being honest. More times than not, we have not done our job as the leader to equip, to enhance, to empower, to encourage our team members, to make them better. Um, Now, that can look a lot of different ways. One of the biggest things when you're trying to, um, uh, let's say, we we like to say hold people accountable or that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like to use that phrase necessarily, even though I know why we say it and and I'm I'm fine with it. I like to talk about reminding people of standards, constantly reminding people of what we're about, reminding that team member about what their goals are, about what they're about, uh, and reminding them. Sometimes we can't do that if we don't have a good relationship with them. If we're going to have a tough conversation, if we're going to have tough love, then we better have a strong bond. And most of the time we don't do that. We try to have this tough, difficult conversation with a coach, if we're an AD or a coach to a player or even a coach to a parent. We try to have this difficult conversation, but we don't have a strong bond to begin with. We don't have a strong connection. And so it goes one in, goes in one ear and out the other, or they just get defensive to begin with, or they, they deflect or whatever it is. So Let's say, Aaron, you have this coach that is not going along, you know, get along to go along or whatever. They're not doing go along to get along. They're just not doing any of that. All right. What's your connection like with that person? You need to build up a connection with that person. That's why one of the things is oftentimes that difficult conversation you're going to have is a year from now. You don't even know it right now, but a year from now, you're going to have a difficult conversation with a person. So you have a year to build up a connection with them, a strong bond. Now, sometimes you'll just take over a place, you know, and, and immediately you'll be thrown in the fire. But most of the time, next year starts today. What's going to happen a year from now starts now. Start those connections now. And I talk to coaches all the time. Well, I got this parent that hates me and this player doesn't listen to me at all. They're uncoachable. You know, let's say they're a sophomore or they're a junior. I'm like, okay, well, in the off season, and we'll go into it a little deeper than I'll go into right now, but essentially in the off season, if your football player is a basketball player, go to the basketball games and, and say one, you know, one to two sentences to those parents every time, something positive, something nice. You're just breaking the ice. You're just breaking the ice. You're not trying to win them over and be best friends right now. You're trying to win them over so they don't hate you a year from now. It's a, it's a long game. It's a yeah. slow burn, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. You're melting that ice. And so as a coach or as an AD, you're going to have some coaches that, you know, they're not really doing what they're supposed to do, but man, we're not going to get rid of them yet. Well, 
instead of looking at, we'll get rid of them next year, look at, all right, next year at this time, we're going to have a strong connection where they're going to trust me. So we're going to be able to have these conversations with that coach Mm -hmm. and they're going to buy into what I'm saying. And they're going to uh, take my suggestions or, you know what, I'm not even going to have to suggest some things. They're going to suggest it for me. You know, we're going to have a good, a good enough uh, relationship. And I know that sounds once again, kumbaya-ish, but it takes work. This, this stuff takes work, but it's so worth it because what you don't want to do is just keep going through player after player coach after coach where you're just getting rid of them because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Eventually, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, that's on me as the leader. I didn't do what I was supposed to do as the AD. Or if I'm going through uh, player after player as a coach, or if every player I deal with is an idiot or soft or they don't care, well, eventually, you know, enough players come through my program that I'm the common denominator. Uh So as as the leader, I have to be very self-aware that am I doing everything that I can to, to help this situation? And the final thing I'll say on this is, you know, and this is more so for a coach than, than an AD, but it can work for an AD as well. Be careful that you don't get rid of, you know, somebody that has this terrible attitude or you think they have this terrible attitude, but they're a good coach or they're a good player and you get rid of them. And now the second worst attitude on your team becomes the worst attitude but they have less talent. Uh, um, mm-hmm. You're always going to have a worst attitude on your team um, yeah. to, a, to a degree, you know, so right. be careful just cutting somebody. It, it might be a band aid, but you might have a deeper cultural problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, I said now last, last thing I said, that was the final thing, but last, <laughs> last thing. It's all right. We're, we're used to that here. Hey, we love yeah. that. Last, last thing is, and I'll I'll talk to this about captains a lot of times. Coaches will ask me about captains. Sometimes it's better to keep your enemies close. Um, Sometimes it's better like to have a captain. If the player, if the players like that person, you don't like them. You don't even think they should be on your team. Maybe it's not a bad thing to have them as captain because at least you have some control over them. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, you as an AD with a coach, let's say you have a coach that you just butt heads with or you disagree with. First of all, you got to understand where they're coming from. And most of the time we haven't done that. Most of the time we're just seeing they're not following our protocols or they're not doing what I asked them to do. That's that's a problem. Um, now, if they're endangering kids, that kind of stuff, you know, you might have to nip that in the bud really quick, you know, that kind of stuff. But most of the time it comes down to, I don't understand where they're coming from. And so, you got to understand, you've got to see their, you got to see their perspective and start to build that bridge. But if they don't get along with you, um, the last thing you want to do is keep nagging at them. You know, you don't want to be this nag uh, because then they're going to fight you even more. But if you start empowering them a little bit and giving them some responsibility or asking their opinion about stuff or getting them talking or, or just seeing their side of, of things, sometimes you can start to win that person over. And, uh, but, but our culture, I know our culture gets so bent on, I'm right. And you're wrong. I'm right. And you're wrong. Scott, you're wrong. Cause you don't, you don't see things the same way that I do. So you're wrong. I hear that. I hear that quite often. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but, but we do that. You know, I disagree with you. So you're wrong. Um, we, we don't get along. That's because you're wrong. I'm right. Well, let's stop with that. You're right. You're wrong. All that kind of stuff. Let's get to 
Hey, what are you thinking? How do you feel? I, I know once again, kumbaya. How do you? How do? You, how does that make you feel? This sounds. This sounds like a great discussion between my wife and I. Maybe. Well, most of these things are things my wife is telling me. She's feeding me these lines here on the side. She's telling me this is what I need to. This is what our counselor told me I should say. (laughs) (laughs) No, but all this stuff. I I mean, it's fun. It's interesting you say that. I see a lot of this stuff honestly, like a marriage in a way. It is really, really easy when when I have a disagreement with my wife. That's putting it mildly to to bring home <laughs> chocolates or a card or buy one of those flowers at the shell station on the corner of the road yeah. on the way home. Okay. That's easy stuff to do. The hard stuff is to actually sit down and talk with her and to mm-hmm. listen to her and to really do what I'm supposed to do in a marriage. But the easy thing, the easy thing for an AD is to get a new coach or the easy thing mm-hmm. is to get a new player or the easy thing is to discipline somebody and say, see right there in the standard operating procedures or see right there in the manual, the handbook, it says this, mm-hmm. that's the easy thing to do. The hard thing to do is to actually mm-hmm. do a deep dive in, in invest in the people and to actually sit there and listen and actually, you know, not worried about who's right and wrong, but how can we make the best of this situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So, Jamie, your your most recent project, uh, the leadership playbook, a very comprehensive project. It's available to teams, athletic departments. Uh, it's got its own website, theleadershipplaybook.com. Can you tell us a little bit about this? A little bit behind the motivation you had to do it. I, it's just looks outstanding. And Todd, I appreciate you bringing that up. I would say, if you're an AD, you need to go get this. You need to go get this. This is the thing. This is the shameless plug, it's, folks. First, it's, it's fantastic stuff. It first is. of all, my son, my my son, he's he's a strange kid. Okay, he's an 11 year old. He's really strange. He likes to live indoors. And he likes to walk with shoes on and he likes to eat food. And so if you don't buy this program, he can't do those things. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. My on, kid. man. No, no, man. I am. I love, I love this program. I'm obviously biased about it. it it's about two and a half years in the making. And I was supposed to have it done a few years ago. And then the pandemic hit. And I'm like, man, I am not a very smart guy because this would have been perfect when Mm -hmm. all these athletes are away from their coaches and coaches are like, what do I do? How do I keep in touch with them? How do I build leadership? How do I keep this team together? This would have been perfect, but I didn't have it. So during the whole pandemic, this is what I did. I worked on that. But essentially Mm. what it is, is you're getting me. Um, Now that could be a negative to some people, but, (laughs) but for the most part, you're getting me. Um, for a very low cost and we do two, there's hundreds and hundreds of two minute video lessons. So your kids can watch it on their phones or tablets. Uh, it's broken out. There's, there's things. All right. If your kids are captains, if they're positional leaders, verbal leadership, uh, leading yourself, leading your teammates, there's all these different, uh, categories and all these different lessons for that two minutes at a time. Uh, I've written them all. I mean, they're my lessons, uh, I narrate it. That's not necessarily great. I don't, I'm not James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman or something like that. So that would be great. Come on now. That would be great if I could get one of those automated things. And there you go. But maybe there's a, Jamie, there might be an app. There might be an app that you could just, I'm I'm sure there is an app for that. Uh, James Earl Jones voiceovers. 
that, on leadership. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but but these are my philosophies on leadership, which is essentially what what I'm trying to do with this whole thing. What we've tried to do is you as an AD care about your kids. You as a coach care about your kids, but you don't always have time or you don't always know how to frame it. Or here's the thing. Maybe you have time and you know how to frame it right. Your kids get tired of hearing from you because you're always saying stuff to them. Um, and so this is an opportunity for us to kind of help you out with that. And we have lots and lots. I mean, there's thousands of kids that have this program right now that have access to it. There's all kinds of schools. There's big, huge school districts that have all their high schools uh, in this program. And we just started it in January. There's Division I college basketball teams that are using it. Division I football teams are using it. Uh, all different levels. And um, uh, it, it's been fun. And the main, the main parts of it is you get two-minute lessons, all these, all these various two-minute lessons, and there's a, a kind of a game plan for how you go about it. Um, but you also get, a, uh, 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 you get access to me. So let's say, Scott, you know, you've got an issue with a coach uh, and you could you schedule a time with me and uh, we'll sit down and it could even be, you know, a real quick thing. You can text me. I mean, you have yeah. you essentially have access to me as a member, which is which is awesome. I love this. Yeah. I love talking with the ADs and coaches that have issues, that have problems. Hey, what would you do? I want I want a fresh set of eyes. And so this has been really fun for me to try to help out coaches and ADs. And so, Scott, if you get this for your whole athletic department, so every coach would have access to this program, uh, every coach would have their own login, their own access, and then every student would have their own login. So if you have 500, 1,000, 200 students, whatever it is, they would all have their own access to this. And um, we don't charge you know, per student, nothing like that. Um, we just want it to be a flat rate and, and we try to make it very affordable. We want everybody to have this because once again, I want kids to grow up to be better leaders. I want kids to grow up. If, if just a few extra kids can grow up to be better on Facebook or better in their communities or better, well, that was a bad example because kids aren't on Facebook. But one day they will be old and they will be on yeah, Facebook. They will be on Facebook, yes. <laughs> That's right. When they outgrow Instagram and TikTok. But I want I want the next generation to to know how to interact with people and deal with people a little bit better and how to be better leaders. And so if we can just have some kind of influence and impact on, on some people. And, and so it's been awesome. So I appreciate you guys asking about it because obviously I'm passionate about it. This has been something yeah. I've, I've wanted to do for, for quite a while. Um, and, and every school that does this also gets every school, uh, every member, I should say, gets uh, a one, it's included one virtual session per school year. Um, so Aaron, if you had this for your school, then, then I would do a virtual session. It would be included. Um, and then there's discounts if you want more, you know, if you want me to come on campus or if you want to buy my books, it's, you get a huge discount for those things as well. Being a member. Thanks. Yeah. I, I just think it's, uh, I would encourage people to go to the leadership playbook.com. Take a look at it. Uh, there's some sample lessons on there. Um, really, I, I just, I marvel at all the information you probably had to be have in front of you and you pulled together into these lessons, into your video. Uh, the one about Jackie Robinson, when you had him and supporting your teammate uh, is on there, just a phenomenal video and just uh, the legwork you must've done on that had to be something else. Thanks. Yeah. And yeah. we, and we, uh, we try to have a weekly live expert session. So each week, 
we have somebody addressing something new for the membership. So everybody can jump on that. So like this week, uh, well, this week we're having uh, dealing with parents, how to deal with parents from a, per, a coach and an, eight, an administrator perspective. But we had a panel on social issues, how to deal with various social issues that you're going to deal with. Um, or you might deal with as a coach or an AD, we've had mental health expert on. So we have different experts on different areas. So it's not always uh -huh. me talking. Uh, we have each week. So each week we have something, something uh, new and unique uh, to, to help coaches and ADs. So really excited about it. And it, it's still new. Um, and we, we drop new content every January 1st and July 1st. So mm -hmm. twice a year, we'll drop some new content as well. Mm. All right. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Check it out. Leadershipplaybook.com. Thanks, Jamie. So Jamie, uh, you've had a lot of experience on your leadership journey. Obviously we can see your passion what are one or two of your favorite leadership memories? And on the flip side, what might be one or two times you learned the most by a mistake that you made um, as a leader? Yeah, great question. You know, one thing that popped up immediately with, um, with something that, that's memorable is we had a, I was coaching college and we had a young lady that got arrested and, uh, and, uh, you know, I get the phone call at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Because it never happens at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> no, it never no, happens no. when you're awake. No. You know, not with high school and college kids. And so, no. you know, I get woken up. First of all, it's, hey, can you can you bail out so-and-so? And it's like, no, that's not happening. And then it's like, well, <laughs> she's, well, she's in jail and she needs help. And I'm like, okay, well, you know. Anyways, long story short. We had a, uh, a come to Jesus meeting with her and, and uh, we didn't kick her off the team, but we suspended her kind of indefinitely, but we gave her stipulations because she was somebody that really wanted to be in school. No one in, in, in her family had ever graduated college. And so this was a big deal to her and she had made a mistake. She wasn't a bad kid. She just made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And uh, we put some stipulations on her, but what we essentially, I shouldn't even say that I, I misspeak. I misspeak there. I, we essentially said, what do you think you need to do to earn your way back on the team? Mm -hmm. And essentially she told us this, this, and this, and that was what the stipulations were we placed on her. Yeah. We really didn't make this stuff up. She put them on herself. And amazingly at semester, she had done all these things. Like she had a 3.6 GPA. She had gone to every class. You know, she, she didn't, had no unexcused absences, all this kind of stuff. She did it on her own too. You know, we gave her a little bit of, we, we gave her a lot of encouragement, but we weren't like, uh, you know, waking her up and taking her into class to make sure she, she accomplished these goals. Mm -hmm. Um, and she did it all on her own pretty much. And we welcomed her back on the team at semester break. And she ended up, uh, you know, being a, a good player for us, but she ended up getting her degree. And yeah. that was to me, I, I think back to that and I'm like, that's awesome win. And, yeah. and the thing the 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 secondary part of that story is that the person she got in a fight with, they were both drunk. They got in a brawl downtown or something and it was bad. It was a teammate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we had essentially the same conversation with her teammate and her teammate was not apologetic. Her teammate was not, it was all about finding excuses. It was, everything was an excuse. Everything was someone else's fault. And we're like, okay, well, we're going to suspend you. What do you think you could do to earn your way back? 
and she didn't give us anything because she she was mad that she was getting suspended. She thought that she played the victim card the whole time. Mm-hmm. And and there was a case where we went into both of those meetings thinking that you know we we might be able to to get both of them to uh, to see the light. And uh, only one did, but I, I, but I remember thinking that that was a good way of going about it, at least in that mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just, you know, lowering the hammer. There was another time where I did, I, earlier on, I did kick a kid off the team and, uh, and uh, you know, this is a, this is something that I think back to, we keep in touch now. She was a starter. I kicked her off the team. She hated me for about three years <laughs> and uh and, uh, you know, now we keep in touch regularly and, uh, you know, we've, we've mended the mended, mended the fences or, or built the bridges or whatever you want to say. Uh, you yeah. know, sometimes, sometimes you just try to be wise in those, in those negative situations if you can. Um, mm-hmm. but that's probably not real helpful necessarily to your ADs that are listening to this, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I, I do remember when I was in AD, there was a couple of times where I tried to, we had a coach and I would try to proactively talk to that coach about all right, what you're about to do or the decision you're about to make. This is how it's going to play out. And, and you need to be aware of that. I'm not telling you don't do it, but I am saying, I know this will be how it plays out. Mm-hmm. And is this a wise move for you or just, are you, are you, being smart about this, like this might be a smart thing, but it might not be the wise thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have knowledge and it's like, okay, yeah, this is the way that in theory or textbook wise, this, this should play out. All right. Okay. But in, in theory, yes, it might be good, but in practicality, this is not going to play out. Well, this right. is not going to turn out good for you. I will support you on this decision, but I don't want to have to support you on this decision because I don't think this is a good decision, a wise decision. Um, I think you'll be right, but I don't think you'll be wise in this decision. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple of times I was able to nip some things in the bud. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, though, there were, there were a couple of times and almost always dealing with a parent where sometimes I struggled, especially as an AD, when when they were being very short-sighted and only thinking about their daughter or their son. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I didn't always say the right things. Sometimes I would be a little bit too brutally honest. And uh, so uh-huh. a couple of those times stand out for me uh-huh. and uh, I can't, I can't discuss my lawyer says I can't discuss those, <laughs> but no, I'm joking. I'm completely joking, but no, there uh-huh. were a, a couple of times I can think of in my mind when I was dealing with a parent or working with a parent that I was a little too brutally honest where I hadn't, I hadn't developed that, that strong connection where I hadn't, hadn't developed, you know, put, put those emotional credits in the bank. Yeah. And so here I am trying to have tough love or trying to have this difficult conversation and, but I didn't have a strong bond with them. Um, yeah. So you say that, that you've said that a couple of times tonight, Jimmy. And so you have any advice for like, let's just say you haven't had a strong connection with the family and you're dealing with a difficult situation. What are some things that, you know, you would suggest or what advice would you give in those situations on how do you deal with those parents in those tough situations when you either haven't had time to put that emotional, you know, check in the bank or you just haven't had a strong relationship, whether it's because you're at a big, huge school and you just don't have time to make every single connection you need to, or you're brand new to the job or, you know, whatever that might be, what are some suggestions you might have? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that will happen because you can't, you can't have a strong bond with every single parent. Right. Um, it's not, it's impossible, but you have to be a listener. And, you know, I mentioned Stephen Covey earlier. Stephen Covey also, also says, uh, listen with the intent to understand. Most of us listen with the intent to reply. Yeah. You know, I can't wait for you to be done talking so I can tell you how it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I can tell you what my opinion is. So I can tell you the way it's going to go down. And that's how most of us deal with conversations is we're not mm-hmm. listening to try to understand where they're coming from. We're not listening for any new information. We're just passing the time. That's how we pass the time till it's our turn to speak. And so listening would be the number one thing. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean that we're going to listen and then at the end be like, you know what? I've listened to what you said and what you say is a hundred percent right. I'm wrong. You know, you should be the AD, not me. No, don't be sarcastic, but you know, it's not like just because you're well, listening. I wouldn't be sarcastic when I say that. I'd probably be, I'd probably be maybe being brutally honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but, but listening so that you can pick up on stuff and then, you know, if it's always great, if you can get them answering a question or two of, of what you would be telling them or to try to lead them or influence them. You know, let's say, let's say it's a team sport. Team sports are always easiest to do this with, but if it's a team sport, you know, they want to win a championship. I mean, obviously they're, they want their kid to be the star or they want their kid to get some glory, but oftentimes there's other friends on that team or they want the team to be good. And so if you can get them talking about, we want to win a championship, or I would love, you know, my daughter or my son would love to win a championship. Once they start saying something like that, and that's just one example. Mm -hmm. Now you can kind of use that uh, to your advantage in a way, or, or use that, use their words against them. Right. But, but now the focus of this conversation may go toward, all right, what can we do best for the team? Because you right. said that it's about the team. Let's right. let, you know, Scott, let's examine that. What you just said, you know, that's awesome that you, that you guys, that the team is important to you and that, you know, you, these are your goals. Mm-hmm. What do you think that would look like? Or how do you think, you know, we could go about doing that? Or, or what would that look like for your son or daughter to, sure. to be a key component to that? Um, you know, whatever, you know, whatever that, that situation would be. But if you can start using those things against them, but listening, mm-hmm. listening, yeah. listening, listening um, mm-hmm. would be the, the first and most important thing you could do instead yeah. of talking, because we're all smart. All of us ADs are in this position for a reason, to a degree. Now, we might not be smart but we're in this job for a reason. Um, and, and we are probably smarter than most parents in terms of seeing the whole forest and not just a tree because we have more information than they do about certain things. But with that, that also comes with some arrogance. And sometimes we want to just shut them up or we're busy or, you know what, you're just full of hot air. You, you just, you're just irrational. I don't need to talk to you anymore. Okay. But, but that kind of approach isn't going to win them over. And that approach also isn't going to win the five other parents who are friends with this parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still have to be very wise and not just right. Yeah. We have to yeah. be wise. Yeah. You know, Thank you. to piggyback off that, Scott, one of the things you talked about there is you're in these big schools or these big systems and you may never get to a point you're going to agree with that parent. But if you're not listening with the intent to understand, because the one thing I've learned I'm not always good at using it, but I'm learning over time is I might have to sit and listen to this parents and I don't agree one bit with what they're saying, but right. I'm not the one who's going to have the day-to-day week-to-week connection with that parent. My coach is. So right. what can I pick up 
by listening and trying to understand this parent's perspective that I can share with my coach on the backside yes. to help them have yeah. better conversations with that parent down the road. Yes. Um, and, I, and I find myself getting to that point. You're talking about Jamie, where I'm just, I'll, I hear, I hear, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher in the front of the room and that parent's talking to me and I have to stop myself and remind myself, listen, because you're going to learn something that helps later. Right. Um, I agree. That's good. good. Yeah. Great good advice. Great point. Aaron. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. All right. Um, that's a rare, that's a rare right, one right there. Scott Jarvis follow up. <laughs> that might go. be the first one ever. Co- here's, here we go. Welcome to the club. There you go. Katie bar the door now. Watch out. About, we're in trouble. It's about time. We've been waiting three years for that to happen, Jarvis. <laughs> no. Uh, hey, last question for you, Jamie. Um, and this is really one of our favorite questions we ask all of our guests. Uh, we love the insight that comes from this question. Um, so you've, you've had this, this journey with these different experiences. What advice, knowing what you know now, would you give to a young Jamie Beckler who's just starting out on this journey? Um, now, you know, now, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself? Or perhaps maybe what would you do differently knowing what you know now? Marry a rich woman so you don't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's no, no, honey, that's not. No, honey, I didn't. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. You did. I thought you, I thought you were asleep already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I've always cared about my players. Like I always cared about people that, that never was a situation where I didn't care about them, but the saying, you know, they, they don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. We, we throw that out a lot, but sometimes we don't stop and actually think about what that says. It's not, they don't know how much you care until you care. It's until they know you care. So Mm -hmm. I can care about my players or my team members but if they don't know that I care about them, then it doesn't matter how much I care about them. If they don't know that, I have to demonstrate that. Um, and so that's something that I don't think I did early on. I, I think I would have told myself, you know, people have to know that you care. You have to go out of your way. It's got to be about the people. And one of two, 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 that would be the main thing. But but two kind of sub points to that or or evidence to that or examples to that would be. Number one, early on, and and this could be the same thing as an AD too with coaches, but early on with my players, I'm not going to pat them on the back when they box out for a rebound in basketball. I'm not patting them on the back or talking to the media about things that they did right. They're supposed to do those right, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but as I went along in my coaching career and then uh, certainly now I I see this all the time, you've got to catch them being good, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, my wife doesn't need to pat me on the back every time I pick up my socks, but in the in the bedroom, you know, every every couple months that I do that, she still <laughs> needs but but I like that when she does that and that encourages me to do it quicker the next right. time. Every time <clears throat> I pat someone on the back or point out, "Hey Scott, that was a great job of blocking out." Even though, yeah, yeah Scott, you're supposed to block out. Right. You know, but every time I say that, that encourages you to do it again and again mm-hmm. and again. And I know as coaches or even as ADs, we think sometimes, well, the negative is what makes us lose. You know, when you screw up, that hurts everybody. Yeah, that, that might be true. But when you do things right, that's when we excel. Mm-hmm. And the more right. right things that you can do, the more good things you can do, the more you're inspired, then all mm-hmm. of a sudden our culture's better. And yeah. so I don't want a culture where people are, are worried about screwing up. 
I want a culture where, man, they're excited to do what's right because coach is going to say something or, um, you know, the AD is going to say something. And so, you know, part of that is I wanted people that just did what they're supposed to do. Just do what you're supposed to do. Be compliant followers. But I think leadership really is about developing other leaders. Um, and But most of us in positions of leadership are either too jealous of other people or we want some of the attention. We want people to notice us. We don't want to give some of the credit. Um, but but oftentimes, instead of developing compliant followers and getting people just to do what we tell them to do, if we're developing other leaders, then that's going to spread mm. uh, and, and uh, you know, spread the load. That's going to spread the, the wealth. That's going to make everyone's job a little bit easier and, and everyone's going to flourish. Um, I want to I leave you with one story, if, if I can, or, or yes. give you uh, one last story. One of the things uh, when I took over as an AD, they hadn't had a secretary for years. And uh, that was one of the reasons the athletic department had went down the tubes. For most of you that have a secretary, you understand, or a good secretary. So we didn't have a secretary for years and years. And that was one of the stipulations when they offered me the job. I said, well, we have to have, I have to have a secretary. By the start of school, we've got to have a secretary or I'm not going to take this job. So the superintendent did like any other good superintendent would do. They said, all right, Jamie, you're going to hire them and you're going to be on the hook for whoever you hire. Okay, great. So we had all these resumes. We, we interviewed all these people and I had this lady in and uh, she was the bus. Uh, she was the uh, uh, secretary for the busing department, uh, the transportation department at the school. So she would just be moving over. She really didn't know anything about sports, but she came highly recommended. So we, we put her through this, you know, this interview and all this kind of stuff. And then I had her do this Excel, this Microsoft Excel test, because we do a lot of Excel. And she had to just, well, I won't, I won't bore you with the details, but she failed miserably at the Excel test. She couldn't do Excel whatsoever. Okay. So I was like, well, we're probably not going to hire this lady. She can't do Excel. And then I'm <laughs> like, no, she, you know, I can teach her to do Excel. So we hired her. She comes in the first week and it's just thing after thing after thing that she drives me crazy. And I am just having this pit in my stomach. Like every day I go home from work and I'm sitting there in bed at night. I can't sleep because I'm like, I just hired this terrible secretary. I don't like her. She doesn't like me. She's got a, 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 a high heel tape dispenser on her desk. I just, she's just, she's just absolutely not at all what I want. And I'm stuck with her and I can't admit that I'm wrong. She can't even do Excel. She's, she's no good for, for almost two weeks, this went on. And then it was like this light bulb clicked or came on this thing clicked. And it was like, okay, you hired her for a reason. You knew that she couldn't do Excel you knew that she didn't know a lot about sports, but that wasn't why you hired her. You hired her because she came highly recommended. She was a good person and she was very willing and coachable. You haven't coached her in two weeks. You've just been thinking that she's supposed to be, you know, immediately, you know, on the job, know exactly what she's doing. So anyways, mm -hmm. I took the approach like I talked about earlier. I started to equip her. I started to enhance her. I started to empower her, encourage her. and and you know, after those first couple weeks, rough weeks, man, other secretaries in the building would say, I don't know what you've done with her, with Robin. Robin never talks bad about you. Robin is so loyal to you. What, it, what, what are you guys doing down there that she's so loyal? I treated her like crap the first two weeks, but it was on me. I hired her because I thought she was coachable, but then I didn't coach her. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't allow her to be coachable and she ended up being awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know what the, the huge point of that story was, except for people, you yeah. know, coaching up people and, and catching them being good, not, not, you know, all right, you, you were the wrong thing or you have the wrong thing on your desk or you didn't know how to do this. You know, you asked the question earlier about culture. You know, when I took over, I put big posters on the wall, cool posters, and we repainted the offices and we, we made these offices look great. But if my secretary was unhappy, she's going to meet with a hundred different people during the day. She's going to answer the phone to a hundred different people during the day. If she's unhappy and doesn't like her job or doesn't like me, there's nothing I can do to help our culture. She, that, what I do with her is more about culture than any posters I put up on a wall. It's how I treat those people around me. And if I had treated Robin terrible after those first two weeks, then it would have been a miserable culture. And she Mm -hmm. ended up being an awesome, awesome secretary. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so your culture is how you're treating your people. And and so you ask what I would rather, what what I would tell Jamie, a young Jamie, I would probably tell him that story about Robin. And I would probably go into even deeper about that, but, but just treat people right and coach them up but catch yeah. them being good. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. Well, Jamie, thank you for being on with us. Um, I always love uh, reading all your social media posts. I follow you on LinkedIn and appreciate all you do. It's uh, And just to have the opportunity to listen to you tonight and picked up some great nuggets. And um, you, the, the four E's really hit me tonight. And mm-hmm. it really made me think about how we as leaders just need to be a little bit more vulnerable. And just because we're vulnerable doesn't mean we're weak, but sometimes being vulnerable means that we're, you know, being strong and it, it allowing us to show our, our own emotions to our coaches kind of builds that trust up. And I think you talked about that and equipping our coaches and our student athletes, enhancing them, empowering them and encouraging them how important that is. And, uh, and us being uh, leaders of our athletic departments and activity departments, how important that that connection um, and that relationship that we have with those people and making sure yeah. that, like yeah. you said earlier too, is that we're bringing them to a level that they might not thought they could ever, ever reach. And I think that's where, you know, as leaders, that's when we can really hang our heads like, wow, we help somebody become something that they never even thought themselves they would reach. So that's what being coach is all about. So. I appreciate you being with us and learned a lot. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, Scott. That was a good summary. You could just yeah. put that right at the start and yeah. say, if you don't have time, listen <laughs> right. to this, yeah. listen to this summary. Yeah. You bet. Well, Jamie, again, thank you. Um, Aaron, thanks for getting on after Bible study and, um, Scott, good to see you again. And you guys good have great guys. weeks. Mm-hmm. Jamie, uh, again, appreciate it. Uh, just learned a lot tonight and I know our listeners did too. So appreciate that a lot and wish you nothing but the best and uh, good luck as you continue to touch thousands and thousands of lives. And that'll just trickle down to the people you're reaching. And I, I I know that's your goal is to get to those kids and appreciate all that you do. So check out Jamie at jamiebeckler.com, the leadership playbook.com. Check him out on Twitter, follow him on Twitter at coach Beckler. And listen to his podcast, Success is a Choice. It's a great podcast as well. Great guest on that, Jamie. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next time on Beyond the Bench. Be blessed, everyone.